Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, good morning again. You doing well today? I hope I'm doing well. God is so incredibly awesome, isn't he? But don't get excited. It's not that good. Well, we had a great three days. I want to take a moment and say thank you again to those of you that were able to volunteer Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We did, you'll see the, some pictures behind us. We went through 208 sheets of... I didn't know we had music to it. Let's all set the, let's, let's all set the atmosphere. Oh, we're going to turn the light. We're going to dim the lights. We're going to have music. <laughs> we're going to take an offering next, okay? But we had a great three days. We went through 208 sheets of drywall that we get up. That's a lot of drywall, let me tell you. We only need to put up about 350, but still, okay? There was and it was so much. It was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot of work. It's hard work. It's heavy work, up, down, and all that, putting up with Pastor Troy. I mean, it's a tough thing. But I want to say thank you to all of you who came and worked so hard. We're going to do it again on Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this coming week. And, um, you know, other, there's a byproduct to this. There's the process of getting the job done and getting the building ready and getting a place for the kids to be in. But there's a byproduct to this that sometimes we underestimate. And that's the sense of community, the sense of fellowship that we have while it's going on. You got a bunch of guys there that are cutting up, having fun, harassing each other, getting a job done. Friendships are made. Relationships are made. People get to know each other. They didn't formally know each other because you put them on a team with each other. And it's just really something special that's a byproduct of that. And so let me say this to you. I'm not just trying to get volunteers. What I'm trying to say to you, when you volunteer, you get more than getting the work done. You'll get to know people. There's a byproduct to this thing that's a real blessing. Um, you know, and it's fun to watch what happens. Like, you, you see people do things let me give you one illustration. I went to Lowe's the other morning because I wanted to buy some buckets of the strip screws that go through the strip gun. You can automatically feeds itself, you know, just keep going, right? And so I got there, and they didn't have a single bucket of what I needed. I'm like, for crying out loud, there's no screws here. So I was coming back on my way back. I thought, well, I'll get them later somewhere. And Kathy calls me, and she says, hey, I wanted to tell you that Paul Holland brought seven, bu- seven buckets of strip screws and dropped them off in the foyer. The reason I couldn't buy them is because Paul Holland went and bought them all. <laughs> and, and that is so Paul. And Martha making, Martha's texting me yesterday, how are the colors? Do they need filled up? No, nope, we're good, dear. So, but this is a sense of community. And it's so much fun. And it's really so much fun if you, if you want to come and watch me pick on Pastor Troy. Okay, and he's such a whiner. He just whines the whole time when I yell at him. <laughs> no, that's not whining. That's griping. And then, and then, let me let me tell you. And it's a and it's a sympathetic group. I got to tell you. Any of you who have ever run a screw gun know the, know the joy of starting the screw, pushing, and the head slips off the screw, and you stab yourself in this finger right here. How many men know what I'm talking about? How many ladies know what I'm talking about? All right, so I did that on Thursday. And then I did it again on Friday in the exact same spot. And I wanted to cry. And all Donnie and Paul Holland did was laugh at me. (laughs) There wasn't an ounce of compassion. 
just laughter. I forgive you. I don't know about God, though. But it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. And, uh, but, it's a, but I want you to understand that sense of community is really something special. That was a byproduct of it. And so another thing that we do is a covenant community of God's people. We come together. We worship together. We do a lot of things. Today, we're going to do communion. And today, as we do communion, we're going to share what we call the Lord's Supper together. And it's something we do as a covenant community. And I, I'm going to use that term several times today. Um, it's a day that we do this. I'm going to spend a few minutes to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that Paul wrote about. And, um, you know, I want to spend a few moments talking about it. Is it just a formality? For some it is. Is it just a tradition? Is it just something that we do? We're going to take a look at this portion of Scripture. And let me read it to you first of all. It starts in 1 um, Corinthians chapter 11. And I'll probably also reference here and there some Scriptures out of Hebrews chapter 10. But in Hebrews, I'm saying Hebrews, but in... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, and how do, you know, how do you like that? I open up my iPad to read my Bible, and it just finished an update, and I've got to push all these stupid buttons. How does that happen, Troy? It says this in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so we will not be condemned along with the world. All right, this is Paul's writing to them concerning the Lord's Supper. Father, we're asking you this morning to bless your word. It's always blessed. I'm asking you to help me bring it forth in a clear, concise way that would um, take us deeper into the things of you, that you would use it in our lives, Father, in ways to convict us if necessary, to encourage us where necessary, and overall, just that you would get the glory out of it. In Jesus' name, amen. There are four aspects to this I want to talk about this morning. The first is going to be the commemoration, which is a look back. The second will be the proclamation, which we're going to call it a shout-out. How many of you ever give a shout-out? All right. The third is going to be an inspection, which is a look-in. And the fourth is going to be an expectation, which is a look-forward. How many look forward to some things? Right? Saying, I look forward to when the kids are out of the house. Oh, wait. Let's take a look at what Paul says. So Paul says this. He begins reading the Scripture, and he begins reflecting on what the Lord did. And he says... Jesus made the command, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, when I begin to think about this, I begin to pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to bring out this morning concerning this one aspect? You see, what I'm doing during the communion, during the Lord's Supper, is I'm taking a look and I'm looking back 
on what Jesus did for me. How many of you are glad for what he did for you? All right, how many know that if he hadn't done it in the past, you wouldn't be what you are in the present? All right, and so we take a moment and we look back at what Christ did. We look back at simple verses. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. All right, we look back on his broken body. We look back on his spilt blood. We look back on this moment, we on this Calvary, which was an inauguration. It was an inauguration of something. What was it an inauguration of? It was an inauguration of a covenant between God and man. You see, let us remember what this was. This was a moment in time where God was cutting a covenant with you and I, cutting a covenant with humanity, all right? I rem- so now, here we go. Look at this sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the blood that was shed. Why did he do that? God presented the body and the blood of Jesus as a means to cut a covenant with humanity. That covenant would be put into effect, the Bible tells us, through Jesus, who was our high priest. How many know Jesus was the high priest who took the Lamb of God to Calvary's cross, killed it on the altar, took the blood of the Lamb into the holy place, put it upon the mercy seat where the Shekinah glory came down, met him, and how many know we have a new covenant? All right, this is what we're talking about. That, this, that it would be sealed by the blood of the Lamb. This new covenant would apply to all who believe in him. What is the new covenant all about? Let me sum it up for you real quick, all right? See, we have to understand something. You and I are children of what is known as the new covenant, all right? And, we, and because we're children of the new covenant, there's some promises that go with that. One of those promises is that I can have an inward transformation, that I can literally be changed from what I was. I don't have to be what I was for the rest of my life. I don't have to be a sinner. I don't have to be an alcoholic. I don't have to be a drug addict. I don't have to hate. I don't have to hold grudges. I don't have to be wounded inside. How many know I can be changed from the inside out? Let me say it this way. How many know I need to be changed inside out? I thought for sure Pastor Troy would jump up and say amen. I need his inward transformation. You see, prior to the new covenant, everything was about external behavior modification. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, there's an inward transformation that changes me from the inside out. All right? The new covenant promises me that the word of God would be inside of me. It's no longer just written on scrolls or on a book or in an iPad that updating. That happened to me one time when I was getting ready to go through security at an airport. I had my boarding pass on my phone. I get up to the security to go through security. I go to pull up my boarding pass and my phone was updating. <laughs> that stunk. I couldn't get through till it was done updating. Good thing we weren't late for the plane. The Bible promises me, the new covenant promises me that the word of God's inside me. Remember what it says in Jeremiah. Remember what it says in Hebrews. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind, I will write them. That the new covenant says that the word is in my heart and on my mind. Isn't it easier to be what God expects us to be when it's written on the inside of us than rather just on the outside of us? This promise that's inside of me. The promise 
is that a forgiven sin, not just covered sin. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Don't you wish there were some people in your life that they would forget that you wronged them 47 years ago? That, I mean, like, really, like you, that you have asked for forgiveness, you have apologized, you've asked for forgiveness, and every time the opportunity is right, they bring it up and remind you of what you did 47 years ago. I still got people, I'm 54 years old, I still got people coming. I remember when you were a teenager. What do you want me to say? I was a heathen. You should, be, you, you should not be remembering, you should be praising God. Not trying to bring me down by reminding me what I was. I mean, I know some people love to bring you down to re- remind you what you were because they can bring you down from where you are. And you know why they want to bring you down from where they are? Because they're not where you are. Oh, oh my. I like that, Peter. Give me to get oh my. They don't like you being up there. They don't like you not being where they are. I mean, no misery does indeed love company sometimes. The promise in the new covenant was that God would not just, he would forgive my sin and he would remember it against me no more. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And the promise There's another promise of an ongoing relationship with God. He said, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I know who I belong to. I belong to him. You see, I'm talking this morning about communion. I'm going to talk about a covenant connection. And the first thing I'm talking about is looking backwards. And listen to me. A look back gives me confidence in my relationship with the God of the present. I have confidence right now with God, not because of me, but because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. I I have nothing to stand on. Like, I'm still human flesh and blood some days. Other days I'm not. I'm kind of an alien. I'm just kidding. And when you put the screwdriver into your hand for the second time, you might want to say something you probably shouldn't say, especially when you're the pastor and the elder standing there. <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. So, uh, thankfully, the look back to Calvary and the covenant that my God made for me gives me a child of the covenant confidence in my relationship with God. Right now, this covenant person comes together with God in a covenant community. I look back, it reminds me that I now relate to God on his terms, not mine. (laughs) Do you understand? When I come to God, I come through Jesus. I'm not setting the terms of the arrangement. I like that I'm not setting the terms. How many like dealing with bankers? Where's my buddy Skolton? He's not here today? Good, I can say anything I want now. I, I, I really don't like dealing with banks. Because how many know when you deal with a bank, everything happens on their terms? It's almost like going to Vegas. Although I've never been to Vegas. But everything happens on their terms, and you have to relate to them on their terms. But listen to me this morning. When I come to God, I'm not coming saying to God, here God, I've done this, this, and this, therefore you should accept me. No, no, I'm coming to God based upon his terms. His terms were, you come to me through what my son did on Calvary's cross. You come to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I relate to him by that, not my own goodness, not my own standard. 
it gives me great confidence. I, I come to him, and when I look back, it reminds me that God relates to me on his terms, not mine. See, I come to him based on his terms, but I love the fact that he comes to me based on his terms. How many know he's the one that set the terms? How many know he's the one that says, if you come to me through my son, I'm going to forgive your sins? He set the terms. He's coming to me, and he's relating to me based upon the terms that he established. Think about this for a moment. He can't, because how many know he can't change? A look back reminds me of who I am. I am a covenant child of a covenant father. I am a covenant child of God. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you know who you are this morning? Peter's the only one. Twice he's answered. Do you know who you are this morning? You're a covenant child of God. That's when, when you're taking the communion this morning, you're looking back at the death of Jesus Christ that established a new covenant for you and I to relate to God. And this covenant person, you're now a covenant person, is connected to a covenant people of God that creates a covenant community. And this covenant community is bound together by the blood of Jesus and nothing else. It's made up of rich and poor white and black, young and old. It's made up of the forgiven saints of God. This covenant community of believers may have nothing else in common other than the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the great equalizer of men. Not one drop was shed more for you than me. I love the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many like that movie? I love it, right? When Aslan shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Okay. But remember whenever the dude that was like Santa Claus, and he comes and he gives Lucy the little vial. And remember what he said to her? One drop. One drop, which was the blood. One drop. And I forget the rest of the line, but I'll paraphrase it in my version. One drop will make anyone better. Notice that there was later a scene where she went around and she was applying one drop to each person who needed it. Not two drops to this one and three drops to that one and not a gallon for that one. One drop of the same blood for each and every person. You and I, we are equal by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you become a covenant relationship with Christ, you become in covenant with one another. The Corinthian behavior, which was described before this verse, was an affront to a, God, a covenant God. There's times that our behavior is an affront to a covenant God. Where we get ourselves in a covenant community, we think we're better than this one or better than that one. Where we won't forgive a brother. We will hold a grudge against another person. We hold malice and hatred in our hearts. That's not the place. It has no place in a covenant community of believers. You see, Paul said something in this scripture. Watch what he says. Let me go back to the verse. He says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word proclaim literally means preach. How many know each and every one of you today are preachers? Each and every one of you are preachers today. You see, 
when the covenant community of God's people come together in a covenant community celebrating the Lord's Supper, the death of Jesus is being preached. That's what Paul says. It's a proclamation. It's a proclamation from my life. It's a proclamation that's being done. When I take of it and I look back, I'm now preaching. And I call it a shout out. And you're saying, but, but who's it being preached to? I got to tell you who it's being preached to. First of all, how many know there's times you need to preach a sermon to yourself? You see, I got to tell you something. A lot of times people will say, oh, that sermon was really for me. I said, that's right, because somebody wrote me last night and told me everything was going on in your life. <laughs> your wife called me. Your husband emailed me. Your mother told me. Okay, no, the fact of the matter is much of the time, that message, that sermon is preached to somebody first, and it's me. It's preached to me in my office. It's preached to me in my study. It's preached to me first before I can preach it to you. And sometimes we need to be preaching to ourselves. And when we're taking of the Lord's Supper, you're preaching a sermon to yourself, first of all. And you're reminding yourself, I am not saved by my righteousness. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary's cross. You're preaching a message, I'm saved by Christ's sacrifice, that God gave his son for me. My faith is in him. This sermon keeps me from legalism and it keeps me from self-righteousness. <laughs> Once I look at this and I say, Whoa, the body and blood of Jesus. How can I be self-righteous? The body and blood of Jesus. How can I put my hope in a bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo garbage? How can, I put, how can I put my salvation attached to clothing and earrings and piercings and, and, and tattoos and all these other arguments that we argue about? Let's put it out on Facebook so we can really duke it out. I saw one the other day. I thought it was pretty funny. It showed the proper way to cut toast. How many saw that? Okay. And, and, and I'm going to say, and an argument on Facebook has ensued ever since. <laughs> this sermon keeps me centered on Christ and not on me. It's a sermon. It's a proclamation to my adversary. How many know I got an adversary? How many know you have an adversary? How many know the Bible tells us he ro- roams around roaring as a lion? Seeking whom he may devour. You know what he has a tendency to do? Sometimes he has a tendency to remind you of who you were. Right? When your enemy comes to remind you of who you are, preach a sermon of Christ's death to him. You see, communion is eating and drinking a sermon for all to hear. Communion is a sermon to the devil of Christ's death for me. You can remind me who I was, and I'm going to tell you what my Savior did for me. I'm going to tell you about the lamb that died for me. I'm going to tell you about his blood that was shed for me. I'm going to tell you about his blood that made me a child of a covenant father. Remind him he died for you. You're preaching a sermon to God. He's saying, God doesn't need a sermon. It's true. But what you're saying to him is, Father, I'm coming to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I'm coming to you through his death. I'm coming to you through his blood. I got nothing else to offer. I got nothing else to offer. You're preaching a sermon to God that says I'm standing on your covenant. But let me know you're also preaching to each other. Covenant community of believers coming together. 
You're shouting to each other in this moment that we stand on the same ground. There's not one ground for you and one ground for me. His blood was for you. His blood was for me. This is what we have in common. You might drive a Lexus and I might drive a Yugo. But we stand on the same ground under the blood of Jesus. You might drive a Chevy or a Ford or you might be Christian and drive a Jeep. Which has to get drug out of the ditch by a Ford, right, Steve Miles? <laughs> the, the, the point is that when we share in communion together, it's a proclamation. And it's a proclamation that you and I are brothers and sisters of a covenant God. We're covenant brothers and sisters. And you're preaching a sermon to the world. And then this inspection, which is a look in. You see, when I'm, taking, when I'm doing communion, I'm looking back to what Christ did for me. And I'm shouting a sermon. Paul says it's a proclamation of his death. And then there's this inspection where I look in. Did you ever go to buy a home that you thought was really nice until you had a home inspection done? Then you bought it anyhow? It's true. Just, I just want to know what I'm getting. Paul said, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. In so doing, he is to eat the bread and drink of the cup. You know, I, I take communion. I'm looking back at the death of Christ. The Bible says I'm making a proclamation when I'm eating the Lord's Supper. And now I'm looking inward. And as I begin to look inward, how many know there's sometimes I'd rather not look inward? Sometimes if I look inward and I'm really honest, I don't like what I see in there. It's just sometimes it's like, ugh. No, I know none of you are like that. It's a little bit of a tricky portion of Scripture. You see, let me say this first of all. You know, Paul says that anyone who eats in an unworthy manner. Let, let me say this first of all. Number one, you are never ever, you were never worthy of what Christ did for you. Now, let me say this to you. You were worth it to him. How many of that determines your worth? The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross determines your worth. It did not determine your worthiness. Okay? You never were worthy. And I'm going to tell you something. You will never be worthy. You are not worthy of it. I do not make myself worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper. It's almost like you, you, people want to read this portion of Scripture. They want to look at it, and they want to say, okay, I found this stuff. How do I make myself worthy to take it? No, 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 no. I don't believe that's where Paul's going at all with this. You see, it almost makes some believers believe they have to make themselves worthy to receive communion, and if they've sinned, they were unworthy to come. And, okay? That's not what he's talking about. If anyone needs to remember the work of Jesus on the cross, it's the one who sinned. It's, so what, my, when I look in here and I don't like what I see, what it should do in a spirit of repentance is drive me to the Lord's table, not away from it. Think about this. 
Inspection should never drive us from God. It should always drive us towards God. When the prodigal came to his senses and did an inspection, he didn't stay in the pig pen. Where's daddy's table? Where's daddy's house? Where's daddy's stuff? I'm going to the father. I feel like I need to not move. How many know I could preach like this for the rest of the time? How many want to put odds on that? What are the odds on that? We need some money. <laughs> uh, whatever the odds are, I'll take. If I can get enough money by doing this the rest of the sermon, I'm in. <laughs> I, I won't twitch a bit. Do we got a six figure out there? <laughs> okay, I'll go for five. Nobody's taking me for five. Listen, y'all cheap. Let's go. I mean, this could be fun. Five bucks? Are you kidding? I'll twitch for I'll twitch for thirty cents. You can you know. look. Okay, listen to me. Looking inward should always result in causing us to look upward. When I look in and I see who I am, and I see some of the things I don't like, do I stay looking down or do I look up? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do with that to make me feel more worthy? Looking in should cause me to look up. Looking inward should always result in looking upward. The look in should never cause you to look down in disgust, but rather cause you to look up in hope. Where does my hope lie? It doesn't lie in myself. Lord forbid. He said, let a man examine himself. It's not a morbid display of self-checking to see if we're worthy of what Jesus did. It's an honest appraisal as we receive communion as to whether or not we are conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the sacrifice. Listen to me. I'm going to say it real boldly for a moment. Some of us and some of our attitudes and some of our actions and some of our interactions with each other is not worthy of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And with that, the air conditioner, come on. Got hot in here all of a sudden. Some of us, I'm going to say it again. Some of us, with our attitudes, our grudges, our hatred, our junk, it is not activity that is honoring to what God's Son did on Calvary's cross. And we need to make an inspection. And we need to do a little word called repent. But how many know repent doesn't mean not taking of the Lord's Supper? It means to get our heart right, get our heart right with Him, and get to the Lord's table. Ooh, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Making too much noise. You should look in. The look in should cause you to look up. The look in should cause you to look at Christ. The look in should never cause you to look down in disgust. I already said this, but raise you to hope. The look in should never drive you away from God. It should drive you to God through Christ. 
It should never leave you hopeless. The look in doesn't leave you the same. It drives you to a place of change. Communion is a time of looking back. Communion is a proclamation. Communion is a time where the covenant community looks inside. There's an inspection. And it's also a time of looking forward, an expectation. How many have things in your life you look forward to? How many look forward to your first child and your second child and your third child? And you said, okay, Lord, I give. You look forward to getting married. You look forward to having grandkids. Yeah. You look forward when they get home. Oh, wait. I know our home. <laughs> at home last night, sitting on the deck, looking at the sunset. Nice, calm, tranquil, me and Penny. The car come up the driveway. Kids are looking out the window. We start counting. One, two, three. All three of them on the deck. Bing, bang, boom, bash. Liam, Liam, the Pappy, watch me run. <laughs> he runs right into the wall. The kid runs, looks backwards when he runs forward. Is that a bad thing? No, that's a great thing. I'm just having some fun. It's a good thing. Although when they did take him over to get him bath, it was kind of nice sitting there looking at the stars again. <laughs> and I studied on airplanes last night. I'm always intrigued watching the airplanes go through the night sky. But why does that one have a different color than that one? Why is that? Because I found out last night that they have red lights, on, red lights on the left wing, green lights on the right wing, and white lights underneath. Just thought I'd tell you that. You now feel educated today. Some of you are saying, moron, we already knew that. It's a look forward to it. Watch what Paul said, Jesus said. Paul said, he says, for often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. There's built-in expectation with that statement. You're proclaiming his death until he comes. Listen to me. Remember, remember what the scripture tells us? Listen to this. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I'm going to eat it again, but I'm not eating it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. There's a time coming where we're going to eat it again. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom comes. He said, I'm going to drink of it again, but not until the kingdom comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to him, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after he and said, this cup is poured out for you, the new covenant in my blood. Listen to me. This probably happened, this cup, right after the Passover lamb. This was a Passover meal. And the Passover lamb was shared. And now there came a cup that was called the third cup. The third cup was called the cup of redemption. It was this cup that they believed that Jesus took this, all right? And it was a celebration of God's redemptive purposes, that he would redeem Israel. The, the Jewish people used this to symbolize the blood of the Passover lamb that redeemed them from Egypt. 
Jesus said, this cup is the covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Don't ever forget that it was his blood that purchased your salvation, that redeemed you. You are the redeemed, right? And here's what it tells us. But there's a fourth cup, and there's a fourth cup, a part of that Passover. And that fourth cup is called the cup of praise or the cup of restoration that took place during the halal when they would go out and sing. Listen to me. I've got to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. He has not drank the fourth cup yet. And we and I, you and I will drink it with him in the kingdom of God. We look forward to that day. We look forward to that day. Listen to what listen to Revelation chapter 19 says. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude. I got bad news for some of you. It's going to be loud in heaven. It's okay. You're going to have new ears. Won't be so bad. And they were saying, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, no, they said hallelujah. You guys really need to get your Bible out. You're going to play this with me. <laughs> okay, and the second time they said, that's much, much better, okay? All right, they said hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who sits on the throne saying, amen, Oh, you're getting good at this. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all you bond servants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, oh, you're getting really good at this. With another hour, you'll have it down pat. It says, hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. Listen to me. Don't you wait till then to rejoice. Come on. How many know we rejoice now? We're going to rejoice then, but how many know we can rejoice now? Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. Mm, Come on. There's a day that's coming on the horizon when we're going to do it together with him in his kingdom. We don't, this is not, this, this is a moment, ladies and gentlemen, where it's not just simply remembering the past, but it's also anticipating the future. The future. It's not simply remembering the past. It is anticipating the future. Communion is a covenant child and a covenant people celebrating a covenant God. We're going to share communion in a few moments. Pastor Troy, come on. Listen to me this morning. I want us to understand something. You know, I, 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 this is not what they did in the Bible. We understand that. I mean, look what we got. We got some little juice things here. We got some little square cardboard things. <laughs> Looks like somebody took a bunch of teeth out. I, I mean, what? <laughs> and, and I'm not, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Please understand me. I am not, 
by any way disparaging what we do. But I am having a little fun at the moment, <laughs> okay? But it's kind of hard. Like, you know, in the 19th century, Jesus took the bread and broke it. <laughs> okay? It's not about what we're actually eating, okay? But I got to tell you something. These things just don't do it for me today. I got some bread. Don't we have some bread, guys? Where's my guys? Where's my guys? Guys, Rusty, Dave. They remind me of those two guys in the old Muppet movies. The Jeff. I, I just, I want to do it different today. I want to do it different. What do you got for me? Oh, game butter? You got, you got another one of these plastic things? Okay. You say, why don't you make this up? I make this up as I go. Don't you know that by now? Yes. <clears throat> Sorry. Listen to me. Communion. She said, this is my body broken for you. It was not a nice, neat, little square moment. It was a breaking of a body. The sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't nice. It was a breaking. It was a breaking, a beating. Look at that. Just think about it. The picture that Jesus showed the, the night that he's standing there. Says, this is my body broken for you to redeem you. This cup, they knew, what he, they knew what he was saying. He picked up that third cup of that meal. He said, this is what's going to redeem you. This is what's going to redeem you. And guys, I'm not drinking it again until we do it together at the fulfillment of the kingdom. But in the meantime, you do this remembering this moment. You do this looking back. You do this remembering what I did. And when you do it, you preach a sermon. You proclaiming my death. When you do it, it's a proclamation. And when you do it, you look inside to see if how you are is honoring to what I did. Ouch. Oh, and by the way, when you do it, look to the future. Look to the future. Look to the future. So, in the spirit of making it up as I go, saying, how's he going to do this? I don't know. I just felt like we should put some things up here to just let people tear off. It's so nice and neat. Peggy's saying, I worked on that all day yesterday. What are you doing, Pastor? But I just want us to understand this morning. This is just so neat and tidy and sterile to me this morning. I didn't put it back. But when you look in here, okay, and I understand the spiritual, I understand all the, 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 but I'm just saying, it wasn't neat and sterile. It was a breaking for you. 
was a breaking for you. It was a sacrifice for you. I love it. You know what I love? We're getting past all the religious stuff today. Like, we don't have nice silver things. We got a plastic thing. There was nothing pretty about Calvary. Can I remind you? Yes, I'm touching it. All the germaphobes in the house are freaking out. Bring a glove with you. Yeah, I'm crazy. Don't worry. All the germaphobes in the house, you can still get one of these things. Elders, when you hold, you hold it by the tissue and let people rip a piece off. I got, listen, I'm here to make you happy. Listen, I've eaten so much secondhand food for my grandchildren, nothing bothers me. I've been to India and I've eaten food that I saw being prepared on the floor. Right, Troy? That's right. Okay, guys, you know what to do now. You got tissues. Nothing better than taking a drink after your grandchild after they've eaten a cracker and then they take a drink of your drink. (laughs) Liam discovered the other day the benefits of ABC gum. Pretty sure he got it off the picnic table. (laughs) Yep. Roast daddy right out. <laughs> Tony's like, oh dear God. Eric's like, ah! <laughs> what am I saying this morning? Listen to me. I'm done. I'm done. We are covenant children of God. We are covenant community. And I'm going to kill this mic, I'm telling you. You're going to cause me to sin in front of the people. I'm going to have to do an inspection. (laughs) Today we celebrate communion. We do it with a look backwards. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We do it as a proclamation to ourselves, to the enemy, to God. We do it this morning. But as we do it, we look inward. And we say, God, I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm worth it to you. And I want my life. And I want my attitude. And I want my actions to be honoring to your sacrifice. And Father, I'm doing it today. Looking forward to that moment when we do it together. I'm going to ask our guys to come over and help them with communion.
make sure you use the napkin. George ran for the juice. (laughs) (laughs) Who's running? had a rough match putting up with me. Come on, stand up with me. This is how we do it here. The center's right here, that side, that side. Just what we do is we make our way to the back and out around. Back, out around. The back shall be first, the first shall be last. Back, out around, partake, and then back to your seats, both sides. All right? Come on, begin to come as Pastor Troy leads us in worship. A couple of serious thoughts. Scripture says in this 1 Corinthians 14, 11 passage that when we eat the body and drink the blood of the Lord in an unworthy manner, that is to say that we have sin in our life and we don't even repent of it, we don't even think about it, we just... And frankly, friends, that happens all over the world all the time where people just take communion. And one of the things it says is is that and when you don't discern rightly the Lord's body. Now, what is the body of the Lord? Are they talking about the physical body of the Lord 2,000 years ago? Or are they talking about the body of Christ that is all of us? And I would say, and I would argue that the answer to that question is yes both and we can sin against the body of the Lord 2,000 years ago and we can also sin against the body of Christ and as I came in this morning and I saw the communion table this came to me that there's a need for us to live in right relationships within the body of Christ literally today millions of people in America I'm not talking about hundreds thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands, literally millions of people today and this weekend did not go to church. And you know why they didn't go? Because they're mad at somebody. And they're losing out with God. And they're losing out in their relationship with the body of believers. When we sang earlier, so proud of Troy because he was talking, we sang that song when we sang that song about worshiping after Pastor had, we had done some things and we went back into worship and we changed it from I worship to we worship. The worship experience, many times in scripture, is an individual experience. The scripture says that David went in and worshiped the Lord. It, the implication is he did it alone. But countless times and the predominance of times, we worship as a group, we worship as a body. The idea of you getting alone, coming into a group, coming into a room with 300 people and, and, and then us getting alone with the Lord is not biblical. 
we're to worship as a body and the implication of that is I'm responsible to the person next to me and if I hold an offense with them or if I'm angry at them or if I'm at, I stay home from church because I don't like somebody I don't like the preacher I don't like whatever the scripture says you, you, eat, you are eating and drinking unworthily now I like the way pastor presented today because it was celebratory I remember when, when communion service was almost like you were being held over the precipice of hell you know because if you had one little sin in your life man you were done for Okay, so I, I, I like the celebration of it. We are celebrating communion, right? But there still is some, some sober exhortations to us to, to, to examine ourselves and to make sure we're in right relationship. And so you know what that means on a, on a day when we have communion? As long as you make it right with the Lord. But then this afternoon, some of you need to send an email or a text or make a phone call or have a visit or call a, a brother or maybe a, even a, a blood brother or a blood sister up and say, I'm sorry. And, and you make things right. Or, or you, you know, it, it, there's any one of a number of things. You, some people need to come to the preacher and say, you're sorry. Because you said things you ought not to have said. And, and the scripture is clear that that's where the liberty comes from. That's where the freedom, in the, that's where the joy comes from in the communion time. Why? Because we know we're in renewed relationship with him. And so I encourage you today to do that. So let's take a moment just before the Lord and just examine ourselves. So Father, we examine ourselves right now. Go ahead, you talk to Jesus. We examine ourselves. Forgive us of our sins. Don't just say forgive us kind of in a general way of my sin, but forgive me for lying. Forgive me for having that hard attitude or that, that those, those untimely words or, those, or, or, or actions or inactions that were displeasing to you. Forgive me, Father. And, and mention to the Lord what they are specifically. Sin is specific. And Lord, if there's relationships that are broken, that are strained in the body of Christ, I pray, Lord, you'd bring unity in the mighty name of Jesus. And you'd bring cleansing. And Lord, for, the, for people who are even today maybe watching by live stream because they've given up on church, I pray, Lord, that they would not give up on the unity of the body of believers. And they'd say, I'm going to find myself where I ought to be because I'm in relationship and we worship as a body. Lord, I thank you for that. Because there's victory in Jesus. And we're free. Amen. We're free. So Paul said, For I have received from the Lord that which also I delivered or I passed unto you, that Jesus, the same night in which he is betrayed, he took matzah, he took bread, unleavened bread, and he broke it. And he said, This is my body which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake together. Come on, let's take it. the same way he took that third cup the dessert cup and what's appropriate here is that let me tell you how this happens is we we put the cup down and we put our hands up <laughs> and we shout because the fourth cup's coming do you know there's going to be no communion in heaven he says do this in remembrance of me until i come 
There is no, there is no communion in heaven because we'll be drinking the fourth cup perpetually and it's a cup of rejoicing. So we do it in anticipation. So that's what we do today. You're set free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You're not the old man. You're not the old lady. You are rather the child of the king and you live in perpetual newness. So in the same manner, he also took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I want you to drink it, drink all of it and do it in remembrance of me. You put the cup down, lift your hands and rejoice. Come on, let's take it together. Amen. We're free. We're free by the blood. We're free by the blood of Jesus. Come on, put up your hands all over this place. I'm free by the blood of Jesus. I'm set free from the law of sin and death. I am not who I used to be. I'm not who I'm going to be. I am am the child of God and I live in this covenant now. In the name of Jesus, we bless you, Lord. I I want to to propel you into a week that is just looking back. Looking in, looking up, looking forward. You know, we close with this. This week, we'll be back there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's a sense of community, I'm telling you. Oh, and by, oh, 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 by the way, one of the byproducts of this, too, is you eat really good. Yeah, amen. We amen. had... Let's, what? Raise gaining weight, he said. Okay. I was like, uh, Thursday we had roast beef. Friday we had ham. Saturday we had meatballs and coconut cream pie. My mother, my mother made this stuff, so I can tell you it's really good. All right? And, and so you, you want to come out just to see what the food's going to be, yeah, isn't, okay? Right. If nothing else. <laughs> but anyhow, listen, listen. Have a, have a great week. But remember this. You're covenant people, part of a covenant community. Today we celebrated communion together. But that covenant goes beyond just this moment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, bless you. We bless you. Thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're a covenant father. We bless you today. Bless your people this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.